You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 127 by Rudolf Steiner, translated by Matthew Barton. Sixteen lectures entitled The Mission of the New Spirit Revelation, The Pivotal Nature of the Christ Event in Earth Evolution. This is Lecture 15, entitled Christmas, A Festival of Inspiration, given in Berlin on the 21st of December, 1911. In our work in the spiritual scientific movement, we look forward, forward into humanity's future, and we pervade our souls and hearts with something we believe we should incorporate into the currents of evolution and into the evolutionary forces of our human future. When we look upward to the great truths of existence, too, to the powers, potencies, and beings who reveal themselves to us in the world of spirit as the causes and originators of what we encounter in the external sense world, there again we are inspired by the thought that the truths that we draw down from worlds of spirit are to gradually work their way into human hearts and souls in future. Thus, for the greater part of the year, our spiritual gaze is turned either toward the immediate present or toward the future. On days of celebration, therefore, at times of festival, which are like fixed memories of the thoughts and reflections of an earlier humanity, and stand there solidly for us, still amidst the flux of time, we may feel ourselves all the more inclined to recall our connection with our precursors. We can immerse ourselves a, a little at such times in what led past human souls and hearts to establish these moments of celebration, these markers in the stream of time which we know as the seasonal festivals. While the festival of Easter, if we understand it, is one that awakens in us thoughts of human powers and of how higher forces can overcome lower ones, how the spirit overcomes all external physicality, a festival of resurrection or awakening, one of hope and confidence in spiritual powers that can be awoken in the human soul, so, by contrast, the festival of Christmas is one that imbues us with a feeling of harmony with the whole cosmos, a festival of grace experienced, one that can repeatedly remind us of the following. Whatever happens around us, whatever doubts assail our faith, whatever disappointments sully our keenest hopes, however much the good things of life can prove unreliable, there is nevertheless something in our human nature and being, as the Christmas festival can teach us, if we rightly understand it, that need only rise before the soul in living, spirit-filled form to show us continually that we originate from beneficent powers, from powers of rightness and truth. Accordingly, the Easter thought points us to powers in us that will be victorious in future whereas the Christmas thought, in a certain respect, points us to our human origins in the most distant past. 
Considering this, we can see that our unconscious or subconscious human understanding and spirituality is a far, far loftier thing than we encompass with our conscious mind. We often have good reason to admire what human beings in past ages established out of hidden depths of soul, as opposed to what they ordained through their rational thoughts and all they could encompass conceptually. To us it seems infinitely wise to discover in the calendar that quote, Adam and Eve close quote, day is assigned to 24 December, while 25 December celebrates the festival of the birth of Christ Jesus. During the Christmas period in medieval times, when Christmas plays were performed by people from one village or another, this was something we can say that the dim subconscious creativity of those days revealed in vivid spiritual ways. When the singers, in quotes as they were called, processed to perform their Christmas plays, the Tree of Paradise was carried at the front of their procession, just as Adam and Eve Day precedes the day of Christ's birth in the calendar. So these medieval Christmas plays paraded the Tree of Paradise in advance of the troupe of players who were going to perform. In other words, something in the hidden depths of people's souls once caused them to make a direct connection between our earthly human beginnings and the festival of Jesus' birth. In the year 353, even in ecclesiastical Rome, 25 December was not yet celebrated as the day of Jesus' birth. Not until 354 was it celebrated on that day. Previously to this, people celebrated 6 January as a day of remembrance of the baptism by John at the Jordan. The sense they had of this was similar to the regard people later had for the festival of Jesus' birth. 6 January was celebrated as the day when Christ descended from spiritual heights and incarnated into the body of Jesus of Nazareth. Originally, this was the birth of Christ within Jesus, a memory of the great historical moment that is symbolically figured for us in the dove hovering over the head of Jesus of Nazareth. Thus, 6 January was a day of remembrance of the birth of Christ within Jesus. But in the 4th century, the encroaching materialistic worldview of the Western world meant that people no longer had any ability to understand the great thought of Christ's descent into and permeation of Jesus. This thought was present in the Gnostics, like a mighty though brief illumination. In a sense, they had been contemporaries of the event of Golgotha, or came immediately after it, and they were still able to find this depth of wisdom about Christ within Jesus, in a way different from how modern clairvoyance must seek it again. Through the last flares of an ancient, original human power of clairvoyance, the Gnostics were still able to discern, as if in the light of grace, much of what we must now rediscover about the great mysteries of Golgotha. Thus, in particular, the secret of Christ's birth within Jesus at the Jordan baptism by John. But like ancient clairvoyance in general, this remarkable flaring of the greatest clairvoyant powers 
of the greatest Christmas light of humanity, as the Gnostics possessed it, also faded. And by the fourth century, Western Christianity had long been unable to understand this great thought any more. At that time, therefore, Western Christian culture no longer found any meaning in the festival of Christ's appearance within Jesus. People had forgotten the meaning of this festival, of his appearance on 6th January. For a period through into our modern era, any sense of the meaning of the figure of Christ for humanity's evolution was inevitably buried under the detritus of materialistic outlooks. But while people could no longer understand the sublime manifestation at the Jordan baptism, it did not run counter to materialistic consciousness to grasp that the bodily organization chosen to assimilate Christ was something very significant. And so the festival of the birth of the Spirit, the manifestation at the Jordan baptism, was moved back to and supplanted by the festival of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And yet, even though people scarcely ever gave this clear expression any more, significant feelings, sublime, lofty feelings, still lived in humanity's sense of the Christmas festival. Whenever the Christmas festival approached, something important lit up in the human soul. And this was something we can express as follows. If we regard the world with the right outlook, we can enliven our faith in humanity, can hold firm against all dangers and blows of destiny. We can enliven deep within us a feeling of love and peace that stands firm against all disharmony and conflict. This is a light that continually dawns in relation to the Christmas festival. What was it, really, that people were recalling? Let us bring spiritual science to bear on this. We know what significant, great, and mighty configurations were required in human evolution to enable the mystery of Golgotha to dawn within it. Someone had to be born who was the reincarnated Zarathustra, one of the two Jesus boys. But one had to be born also whom the festival of Jesus' birth remembers, someone whose sole substance had remained behind in worlds of spirit. For the whole span of time during which humanity, all human souls except for this one, evolved up to the mystery of Golgotha, passing through generational heredity, they had been absorbing destructive powers that infiltrated them right into their blood. Only a single soul substance had remained throughout in worlds of spirit, guarded and protected by the purest mysteries and the purest centers of the rites. And this was then poured into humanity as the soul of the second Jesus boy, the one described in the Gospel of St. Luke, to whose birth all accounts of the Christmas festival relate. At Christmas tide, people remembered their human origin, they intimated the human soul before it had descended into Adam's nature. It was as if they celebrated the birth in Bethlehem of the soul's substance that had not participated in humanity's decline and descent, but had remained behind and only entered a human body for the first time 
when it incarnated into the Luke Jesus child. The human soul can feel its belief in humanity, its trust in humanity, if it can direct its thoughts to this fact. Whatever conflict, lack of faith and disharmony have infiltrated human evolution, and they have indeed done so through everything that has poured into humanity from Adam's time through to the modern era. If we look back to the figure called Adam Kadmon in ancient times, which then became the idea of Christ, trust can flame in the human soul for the right nature of human strength, trust in humanity's original loving, peaceful nature. And this was why the subconscious soul shifted the festival of Jesus' birth very close together with the day of Adam and Eve. In the Christ child who comes to birth, human beings see really their own nature, but they see it in its unspoiled innocence. Why, for centuries, was the divine child placed before humanity as something that the human soul should so deeply revere? It was because as we gaze upon the child, before the child has as yet reached the stage of saying I, we can behold, we can know, that the child is still working upon the human body, upon the temple of the eternally divine. And because a child, who does not yet say I, still clearly displays the signs of his origins in the world of spirit. By beholding our nature as children, we can learn to have complete trust in human nature. At a time when we can most easily engage in contemplation, when the sun shines least to warm the planet, when we are least occupied with outward daily concerns, when days are shortest and nights are longest, when, because of all these circumstances, we can best gather our thoughts and go inward, where all outward delights, all outward beauties are removed for a while from our gaze, Western culture places the festival of the birth of the Divine Child, that is, of the human being who enters the world in unspoiled innocence, and by doing so can give us the very greatest trust in our divine origin at a time of deepest contemplation. It is like an affirmation of the great truth that we can learn so much from children when we see that the festival of a child's birth is placed within the cycle of the year as a great important festival of trust in human evolution. And so we can wonder at the subconscious, spiritual understanding of human beings of previous eras, who marked such a moment in the course of the seasons. Then we can feel how in a sense we can decipher remarkable hieroglyphs embodied in the script of time in the form of such a festival. We can feel united with these people of an older time, whereas we otherwise turn our gaze futurewards and are otherwise intent on placing our best powers at the service of the future to affirm and strengthen our full faith in this future, on such festive days we try to live more in memories. These bring us as if in embodied form the insight, the teaching, that while in our own time we can only conceive in our particular way of the spirit underlying the external world, there was a time, long ago, when in a different but no less right, no less significant way, 
people thought and experienced sublime truth by feeling at one with humanity, with everything that would one day carry humanity into sublime heights. This is our spiritual scientific ideal, to feel ourselves united with what human beings of olden times achieved, sometimes out of their most hidden depths of soul. And we are supported in this by festivals, especially the great festivals, as long as through the truths of spiritual inquiry we configure before our soul the meaning their hieroglyphs inscribe in the course of time, the cycle of the year. Oh, it is a wonderful thought that becomes wedded with a wonderful feeling in our soul. When we see how in the centuries that followed the fourth century, when the festival of Jesus' birth was changed to 25 December, a sense of the trust evoked by the nature of the child pours into the souls of people at that time. In painting, in the Christmas plays, everywhere we see how all earthly realms bow down before the divine child, before the divine origin of human beings. We meet the wonderful image of the crib and see how beasts incline before this original human being. And then there are wonderful related tales such as this, that when Mary bore the Jesus child on the journey to Egypt and had crossed into that land, a tree bowed down to her and the Jesus child, an ancient primordial tree. And, similarly, legends throughout Europe tell how trees bow before this great event in the Christmas night. In Alsace and Bavaria we meet legends everywhere. They recount how certain trees bear fruit on Christmas night, how they bow down. All these wonderful symbols are to announce that the birth of the Jesus child is something that is connected with the whole life of the earth. Let us recall what we have so often said, that primordial spiritual streams were given to humanity by the gods, and that people of ancient times possessed clairvoyant insights into the divine spiritual world, that this clairvoyance gradually faded, so that humankind could gain mastery of the eye. And if we picture how in this process something occurs like a drying up and desiccation of the ancient powers of the gods, but how the Christ impulse, giving rise to the mystery of Golgotha, pervades this aridity with a new water of life, then we have also a wonderful picture of this in Christmas legends that recount how the dried-up and desiccated roses of Jericho sprang fresh and vigorous again during the Christmas night, unfolding in greeting when Mary passed as she bore the Jesus child on their journey to Egypt. It is a wonderful symbol for what happened with human divine powers that even such dried-up, seemingly lifeless things as dead roses sprout and flower anew through the Christ impulse that intercedes in the course of evolution. And in the festival of Jesus' birth, we find an expression of what humankind was first endowed with in reality, of what it was accorded from the very beginning. Before Adam and Eve came into being, humanity, in the terms of the Christmas legend, was accorded the entire unspoiled divine nature of the child. But in truth, because of the influence of Lucifer, humanity could only acquire this after the whole course of evolution had unfolded from Adam and Eve to
to the mystery of Golgotha. Oh, it does indeed awaken a deep feeling in our soul, when, as if compressed into a single night between 24 and 25 December, we can look back upon what occurred between Adam and Eve and the birth of Christ within Jesus, reflecting upon this and feeling what it means. If we can feel this, then we will feel the significance of this festival and feel too what humanity has been shown through it. Humankind, if it can really take the opportunity to meditate upon these markers within the year, can become aware of the purity of its origins in the cosmic powers of the universe. We can raise our gaze to the cosmic powers of the universe and penetrate its secrets a little through anthroposophia. And only then can we develop the maturity to understand that the festival of the birth of Christ, as once understood by the Gnostics, the festival that should by rights be celebrated on 6 January, is the festival of the birth of Jesus at a higher level, the festival of the birth of Christ in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. And to enable us to immerse ourselves in the twelve universal powers of the cosmos, we have the twelve holy nights between the Christmas festival and the festival that should be celebrated on 6 January, but which has now become the festival of the three kings. Here once again, without people knowing clearly why, these twelve holy nights stand there, as if ordained by hidden depths of wisdom in the soul of humanity, as if they were telling us this, feel the profundity of the Christmas festival, but then, during the twelve holy nights, immerse yourselves in the most sacred secrets of the cosmos, or, in other words, in the region of the universe from which Christ descended to earth. You see, only if humanity finds the will to be inspired by the thought of the human being's sacred divine origin, by the wisdom that pervades the twelve powers, the twelve sacred powers of the universe, which are symbolically represented in the twelve signs of the zodiac, but which only spiritual wisdom can, in fact, reveal. Only if humanity immerses itself in true spiritual wisdom and learns to perceive the course of temporal evolution within the great cosmos and within the individual human being, will it, in future, find the healing inspiration, made fruitful by spiritual science, that can come from the festival of Jesus' birth and enables us to move forward into the future with the greatest hope and confidence. And so we may let the Christmas festival act upon our soul as a festival of inspiration, as a festival that so wonderfully announces within us the thought of our human origin in the Holy Divine Child. The light that appears in the Holy Night as a symbol of the light of humankind shining from our human origin itself. That light, symbolized for us in modern times by the candles on the Christmas tree, is, if rightly understood, the same light that can endow us with the best, the strongest powers of our soul as it strives for true, genuine, universal peace, for true, genuine, universal blessedness, for true, genuine, universal hope. Such thoughts can bring home to us the wisdom of what was ordained and enacted in the past, can strengthen us for the impulses we invariably need for the future, Christmas thoughts, remembrances of humanity's origin, thoughts that are at the same time roots from which an authentic 
and most vigorous soul plant can spring for an authentic human future. The end of Lecture 15